It is Locked on Jazz for the 12th of May. There are multiple options for how the Utah Jazz and models for how the Utah Jazz proceed in this offseason. We'll look at those, and my opinion of which one we should use has changed. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Give you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen. We are free and available on all platforms, and we're brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, as you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game begins. Hope you're doing great. It's snowing here again today, which is just not acceptable. I'm kind of tired of this. Uh, and I never get tired of it, but the mountains are closed. So we've been talking for the last two weeks. We will for another few weeks. We have a long way to go. We'll start player reviews and some things of that sort here shortly. And we've just been kind of fiddling around with what other teams have done and other models of what the Utah Jazz can do at this point after, you know, six straight years of the playoffs, three playoff wins, and no conference finals. And I think a little bit, if you listen to yesterday's show on Good for a Long Time, we found out that's not that unusual. Um, and so a little bit of what I kind of feel at this point is that maybe we're not at this like ridiculous level of panic, of disaster. This isn't that uncommon. It's super, super hard to win in this league. Trying to put the right pieces together only get more difficult over time, not less difficult. And that, you know, the, I, I hear the comments from some people that it's time to blow it up. It's a very nice reactionary comment, but I find it to have kind of very little reality and value. You, you can blow it up, and then what it takes to bring it back is super significant and difficult. And so my instinct is probably to stay away from that. There is the moment where, hey, Donovan and Rudy are at their peak of value. And so if you were to decide to take that option where you're moving both of them, you're stockpiling your draft picks, you're doing everything, and you're moving forward in a new, brand new era, and you're going to maximize what you get for the two of them, then, okay, that could be an argument. I don't see initially why that has to be done now. Donovan and Rudy are still both young, Donovan particularly. They both have ways to go. As I've shared, my inter- watching the interactions of two of them, I don't think it's insufferable to the point in which they can't proceed. In fact, most of their interactions are pretty good. They're, they're frankly good people. And so unless I don't see the minute sitting here at this time why that is actually the answer. Um, I think when you blow it up, you end up with a lot of land without a foundation and it's a heck of a rebuild and it's hard 
and it's not a script that leads guaranteed to any success. Um, and, you know, Memphis has done it as well as anyone because they hit on John Morant and they hit on Jaron Jackson. And they also ran Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol out too long, according to John Hollinger, who was on the staff at the time. He says, we probably took it a year too long. On that sense, I don't see why the Jazz don't try, wouldn't try to run Donovan and Rudy back again with a different form around them. There's no question that something has to change. That team lacked the spark, as Quinn Snyder said in his closing press conference, and change the group up a little bit. Uh, certainly the loss of Derek Favors and George Niang and Joe Ingles to kind of who the back core of that roster was had an impact, a pretty significant impact to, to who, the, you know, the energy in the group. And so you rebuild that. What's interesting is how you do that. So that's that's my first thing. The other thing I would point out on this is I don't feel like, let's say you you either run it back or you run those two back and it is untenable as you hit the trade deadlines, unfortunately right before the All-Star game, but you could make the move there. And if you made the move in the next offseason, I'm not sure you get that much less value. In fact, what you get is another chance with two of the top 13 call them 18 players in the league, top, you know, top two of the top 20 players in the league. And I think a year from now, their trade value still has two years left on the contract for both of them. And they're certainly movable at that point. Um, And so I I don't actually, so I'm not in the camp of, someone puts a haul on the table, your your moods can always change. But uh, on the basic level, I don't totally see this first option, which is to blow it up, frustration, total failure, which I just don't think, I think as we've gone two weeks away from being eliminated, the idea that we're a total failure and it's an absolute disaster, I think has cooled everyone. That's where you're talking about cooling emotions and you've looked at kind of where we are and how common this is. We did 10 teams yesterday, all kind of had something similar and some had the best players in the world. So that's, that's the first part. The next step of this is, so what do you do? When I opened the off season, My feeling was that you're actually moving a bunch of pieces on and building a better infrastructure around foundation, around Donovan and Rudy to allow them to prosper. But I, but honestly, like some of the moves that I had in mind, and I don't want to like, you know, I don't love trading our players, but would, would have been, Boyan Bogdanovich, who I love, Mike Conley, who I love, so this is not like a statement of them, but they're the next two highest salaries on our roster, for two other players. So not necessarily Mike Conley, who was a top 40 player in the NBA during the regular season, for another top 40 player, but for can you trade Mike Conley, get off Rudy Gay's contract, for Luke Kennard and Reggie Jackson? It actually seems like it's a bad trade. Can you trade a similar trade with Boyan Bogdanovich for this and that? And maybe even you're moving Jordan, though he has seemingly a great, has an unbelievably good contract um, at uh, $12 million. It seems hard. Trade Royce for a, a slightly different piece. Maybe Royce for two $4 million players. And you're actually trading, you're keeping Rudy and Donovan as your dominant pieces, and you're trading these pieces and adding depth and rebuilding the roster that way, because there's only three ways for the Jazz to rebuild their roster. 
free agency seems unlikely. And frankly, we were having a hard time hitting on mid-level exception, veteran exception players. Hassan was great. Rudy Gay wasn't. Ed Davis wasn't. That was the thought. Um, the uh, free agency draft picks and trades. We don't have draft picks right now. We have trades, and it's pretty interesting because this is a real positive. Every single one of our guys are under contract, right? So if you're trading Royce, he's got two years left. Jordan's got two years left. Boyan's got a year left. Mike's got two years left. Like someone's getting something for those players. It makes them, you know, we have suddenly this huge amount of players that's a, that are available to be moved. And, and that was my thought of how you do this, is you're suddenly – just changing the pieces around it, but your core is still these two. Um, that's how I, I started. Then we did, then we looked at the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks, and the two of them both were this home run swing. Drew Holiday, what plays were those last night? Oh my gosh. And Chris Paul. And it made me wonder at that point, whether our better answer, if you're keeping both of them, was actually to try to hit a home run. I'll elaborate a little bit more on what that is and if that is the right answer, because it's probably where I'm leaning. And then I'll dig into if you move one of them is another legitimate option. And we'll look at what Atlanta did to kind of stay relevant because I thought that model was interesting yet last year. They had 10 years of being good in one conference final run, not a title, but they were certainly as good as anyone in the league there for a year. And what, what did they do to do that? So we'll dig into that Rick Sun, Danny Ferry build in Atlanta a little bit, because that's letting one of them go. And it's an interesting because it doesn't go at all the way you would think. But we'll so we'll touch on the home run and then look at Atlanta. Um, as we continue. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Hyundai lineup of cars is just incredible. I'm driving the Sonata right now, despite the fact that I actually probably need the Palisade or something else to get around in the snow. No, it's not on the road. Um, but really, uh, the the Elantra is the SUV, the sedan that won the North American Car of the Year last year. This Sonata is the souped up version of that car. And it is really an incredible drive. Looks amazing. Super great car. The sweetest car on the lot is the Palisade. Uh, The Palisade is the all-wheel drive, big SUV, and they are super gorgeous. The fact they have a new one that's the calligraphy version. It's kind of a maroon, and it's just beautiful. Um, Then there's the Santa Fe. We which is kind of their next level SUV. We've actually purchased two of those and they've done, you know, fabulous job for us. Uh, and we love them. And there's the little Kona Zippy in the Tucson. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street. Today's show is also brought to you by a good, our good friends over at Summit Cap. So this is an interesting group. Uh, I did a bunch of business with them. Appreciate them a great deal. Uh, Summit Cap uh, is a Utah-based um, investment fund. And what they're looking for is they're looking for people who one of the things they're looking for, there's multiple here, but one of them is they're looking for, if you know someone who's working for a company and as they, um, as that, you know, the owners of those companies are getting older, they're running the company, they're doing a great job, but these people have the, the, their equity is their knowledge of the company and what's taking place and they know how to push it to the next step. 
but they don't have the capital to buy out the current ownership. They don't have the capital to take the company in a new direction. So Summit Cap is here to help you out. A local investment group made up of successful business operators. They provide capital for management seeking to buy out the owner of a business they work in. They also will seek owners who are looking to sell their businesses or entrepreneurs seeking capital to help grow their businesses. Give Dave a call over at Summit Cap or give Matt a call. Uh, probably Matt, I was thinking about um, at 801-796-2033. That's 801-796-2033. Or you can text Matt at 801-796-2033. They're entrepreneurs themselves and their approach to investing is the mind of an entrepreneur. They were great to work with on our end. You can look, email them at lockedonjazz at summitcaputah.com or clicking contact uh, at summitcaputah.com. That is summitcap and the number is 801-796-2033. If you can't remember any of that, email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. All right. So the final note on the home run, and here's, here's, we've talked about it a lot during the week and I don't really know who the home run is. Frankly, we've talked about it a lot. Is it Tobias Harris? Like we looked at available top 50 players this week. Is is there a way it becomes Zach Levine? He's talking about going to Portland. Um, is there a way you would rather have him um, play? Is there a chance that you could get him to come to Utah and you're somehow doing that deal? Portland's going to have, actual money so you'd have to do a sign and trade the other way um julius randall would be a wild piece that i'm not sure i'm totally sold on but he was a top 50 player tobias harris and chris Haps Przingis. terry rogier keeps us both at a pretty small um level uh wendell carter jr is a player that kept coming up doesn't really match us but i certainly like him so these weren't like marquee names but it would be this like th- major third piece the downside of that is it would take all of your a lot of your pieces to put that together to be able to do it. And then you'd, we'd be really thin without draft picks um, and with, you know, without probably a lot of money in free agency, we'd, we'd get thin really fast. And is that worth it? The, the positive note, if you have this third piece and they're under contract to me, is the same thing where I started this whole thing. You give it a run. If it doesn't work, then you just move everybody next year. And then you do really rebuild the whole thing at the end at, at next year. Um, and, that to me is an interesting thing. If you can find a second piece, a third piece, marquee third piece, um, and maybe you still think it's Mike, right? Mike had a great regular season. So, um, but that's getting close to just, there is, does have this feel that there has to be something significantly, there, there has to be when they walk into the room to start the year in September, they look at each other like, oh, what is this? I wonder how this is going to work. And some renewed excitement about what you're putting together, not a comfort zone. Like, I, I, I think there has to almost be a few months of like, oh, this is really uncomfortable. And how are we going to make this work? And what are we doing? And how, you know, lack of continuity and all these other, you know, just very different vibe and feel to what they had that that to me is kind of where I think this thing is. So you, you make these moves and if you can get this home run thing, then you have three major pieces, but you're very thin. So that's the downside. So those were the two different approaches. If you keep both Rudy and Don for the off season models for the Utah jazz. And when the year started, I would say my feeling was a little bit on that first one of like move and add pieces and add depth and get deeper. I'm a little bit leaning more toward, Take a shot, be even out of the box crazy, maybe. Um, that's the Przingis idea, or something, you know, something of that sort, and um, and take a shot. And if it doesn't work, then next offseason you 
you, you go full rebuild. Like you take a risk on this side and you get that on the other side if it doesn't work. The other one that's interesting is just kind of to look at Atlanta. And they're not great in the sense that they had one conference finals. They never made an NBA finals. But they did um, they did some interesting things. In they For 10 years, they ran it out, which is really what we get to. And, and you started off in like, in it starts off in about 2010, a little earlier. And they have Joe Johnson, who's 27, Josh Smith, who's 23, Al Horford, who's 22, and Marvin Williams at 22. And by the end of it, and we didn't have four of those guys at that age in the same way, but by the end of it, they have Al Horford. And so what they did was identify the single player who they had, who was going to lead them to wins. Now there's got easy. Josh Smith became mercurial and Marvin Williams never quite developed. And Joe Johnson got older and moved to Brooklyn. So maybe it happened for them, but Rick Sund and Danny Ferry combined at different times, did some pretty interesting things. And, and if you look at their build, it's interesting because it's not the way we're thinking about it. And again, they didn't win. You know, you can, you have to decide whether you think this is a success or not. Um, but what's interesting in their fourth year, they added Jeff Teague with the 19th pick of the draft. We, unless Jared, if Jared Butler develops, then we've done that. But unless Jared Butler develops, we, we unfortunately haven't quite done that. We may have done it with Grayson Allen, use that pick to go get Mike Conley, which is exactly what you're supposed to do with picks, but didn't fill that gap behind that. Um, in their fifth year, Joe Johnson left. Just, you know, we're through six. What's interesting about that Joe Johnson trade at the time, it seemed like Atlanta kind of fleeced Brooklyn. They got nothing. They got Jordan Farmer, Anthony Murrow, Johan Petro, Deshaun Stevenson, two first-round draft picks, which became a 2013 first-round draft pick for Shane Larkin and a 2017 first-round draft pick for Frank Jackson, Highland, uh, Utah product. So their key move was to let Joe Johnson go, which at that point, I think he was 31 or 32. It was late in the process. And they really got absolutely nothing for him. Marvin Williams, they traded for Devin Harris. Marvin Williams to Utah in exchange for Devin Harris. And then they just started making subtle little moves, which kind of takes us back to the first model, which is, so now they're down to Al Horford and Josh Smith. And then um, Josh Smith eventually leaves a year or two later, <clears throat> but they acquire Kyle Korver for cash from the Chicago Bulls, and Kyle Korver becomes one of the most valuable players in the league. They sign Lou Williams, who had been in Toronto and been good, but that was a pretty good signing. Um, and by 13, 14, and they went. They only and they only win 44 games that next year. They're kind of in a transition. They get knocked down the first round. They play seven games in the first round. And then in 13-14, Al Horford actually gets hurt. Josh Smith leaves and they replace Josh Smith with Paul Millsap. Huge upgrade. And then they signed Damari Carroll. Familiar names to us. And out of miraculously, with a team that seemingly makes no sense to anyone, Jeff Teague, who they got in the draft pick, Kyle Corver, they got for cash. Damari Carroll, they got for free agency. Paul Millsap, they got from free agency. And Al Horford as their starting five with a drafted Dennis Schroeder, which they got out of their bad year when Al Horford was hurt. Tabo Cephalosha. And uh, I'm forgetting who that last name on my list is. Nonetheless, uh, maybe Zaza Pachulia. Um, I don't think so. Uh, they win 60 games. 
And then the next year they win 48. And then Al Horford leaves in free agency, go to Boston, and it's over. And what's interesting to me about that model is that's basically saying, all right, one of our guys is a winner and going to carry us through. And we're going to win if we have that guy. Now, did they win a title? No. Did Al Horford turn out to be just great and he's still doing it today? Yes. And as I said yesterday, I swear, I think there's like nine teams in the league last year who if they could figure out how to move $17 or whatever it was to get Al Horford for a first-round draft pick from Oklahoma City would have won the title last year. Uh, so I think that's, but what's interesting to me about this is two things. One is they didn't want a title, but they also got nothing for Joe Johnson. Had they actually got something for their star and then been able to let their other pieces as they did move on. So they moved Marvin Williams for Devin Harris. They let Josh Smith move on. They filled it back, filled it in with some free agency money that they suddenly had with Paul Millsap and Damari Carroll still building around Al Horford. Had they got something for Joe Johnson of value along the way, then who are they? Is that an, is that one extra little piece? Would have that been enough to push them over the top to win it or to get to a finals or to be good a little longer or that Al Horford doesn't want to leave? Or even if Al Horford leaves, he got 10 years of good basketball out of it. That one to me is super interesting on where it leaves, what Atlanta did with that. And do we have the one guy, either in Donovan or Rudy, that you believe if he's on the roster, we win no matter what? And win meaning in the playoffs, if we put the roster together perfectly and hit like Danny Ferry did on uh, Paul Millsap and Damari Carroll and Rick Sun did. I think it was Danny Ferry at that point. They, they transitioned in the midst together, I think, um, somewhere in there. Um, did... Do you, do you win 60 games? Do you suddenly compete? Is there a way to do that in that model? Because Al Horford is clearly the one that made them so special. And do we have one of our two pieces so unique and special that we just win if they're on the roster? And if that's the case, then again, then you might, instead of the two models we talked about before, then you might go with one of, with that. There's three models. There's the first one is just the trade them both. And as I said, I just have a, I just don't feel it. I don't feel that's necessary. I, I just don't feel us we're that catastrophically a disaster. There's the second model, which is you're keeping both of them and you're trading to add depth and more foundation. And there's the next one that you're keeping both of them and you're trying to hit a home run. And now we're into this other thing, which is you're trading one of them because you believe that their existence means that you just win and you're going to run it out until they leave. And that's what Atlanta did with Al Horford. Is It all falls apart in July of 2016. Al Horford leaves to sign with Danny Ainge in Boston and Atlanta says, okay, we're done. And they start the rebuild and Mike Budenholzer one year in says, we're done. The interesting one on Atlanta also is how bad Mike Woodson doesn't, didn't seem to be a great coach. And Larry Drew hasn't had success. I always have a hard time saying they're bad coaches. Mike Budenholzer is an elite coach. They got an elite coach and they took a massive jump. We already have an elite coach. So can we make that jump better in some way? So it's an interesting question of whether or not you believe one of these, our two guys can be the Al Horford of Atlanta and lead it. And whether that's, whether that's enough. 
Like if you know you're Atlanta and you're going to get a 10 year run on this, we go with it. And frankly, T man points out that if the New York police department doesn't break the leg of Tabo Cephalosha, they may have won it. Um, some other people would point out if John Wall didn't get hurt in the previous series against Washington, that Washington might've upset them at that point. Uh, so it's an interesting, it's an interesting match. All right. We'll get your thoughts on that. Uh, feel free to comment in the comment section. Uh, and I'll react to some of that as well as touch on a few other things. Um, as we proceed, today's show is brought to you by rock auto. Our good friends over at rock auto with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain store to have all the auto parts, cars, and parts you need. So why pay 30, 50, or 100% more on parts from a chain store or car dealership when you can go to Rock Auto and save that money? It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oils, even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com right Locked on in the How'd You Hear About Us box so they know who sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. Today's show is also brought to you by betonline.net. What are the lines? Good games? Oh, my gosh. That game. How about uh, Memphis by 50 last night? Where did that come from? Um there's not a bad defensive player on the roster when they don't have John Moran on the floor. And that there's something to that. Here's what we got for the lines at bet online. Philadelphia is a two point favorite tonight for game six against Miami. And Phoenix is a two point favorite to knock Dallas out of the playoffs in six. Um, and then we can talk about it. Dallas will be good for a long time. Uh, they do have Luca, which would put them at a higher level. Milwaukee is a one and a half point favorite to close out the Celtics in game six in Milwaukee on Friday. And the Warriors are an eight and a half point favorite to close out Memphis on Friday as well. That's all at betonline.net where the game begins. Thank you very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. I feel like I had something else I was going to mention right there. You can tell if you're watching on YouTube, my face like contoured um, in a weird way. Um, oh, I was going to tell you I get the new birthday cake puffs, but that's not really that important for Bill. That's anyway. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, let's run through some of the comments. Here's what Chad has to say. Which teams need Rudy and have some wing players in a trade? We keep our other two centers and have an elite wing guy and other possible sharpshooters. So you're building around Donovan at that point and trading Rudy Gobert for, how do you do for, for multiple wing elite wing guy an elite wing guy what's an elite wing guy like paul george elite wing guy or like dorian finney smith elite wing guy it's an interesting um it's a you know that that i think i'd have to understand the difference um blake says first time listening live and surprising i don't actually speak at 1.5 speeds i hear people speed this show up i do pause a lot but i think i talk fast I can't imagine what that's like. Um, there's a bunch of Gary Harris talk. I don't know if it's all from the same person. Gary Harris is a free agent. It's an interesting, um, he's really slipped, and it's a hard to tell whether he slipped because he was just in Orlando for the last 61 games of the season or if there's something else going on. Um, and what really slipped on Gary Harris a few years ago was his rim finishing. Um, I w- I'm a 
I think Gary Harris can defend and he's physical and he brings a lot. I'm a fan. Okay. So let me make sure that's clear. But this is a little disconcerting at 24 and 25 years old. He finished 29% of his shots at the rim. Then all of a sudden he dropped to 24%. And last year he dropped to 14.5% of his shots at the rim. So he, I don't know if his, he's only 27. So he, he should still have left, but he's had these knee problems. He's had these injuries. And I just wonder what's happened there. Because if you go back to him in his heyday, and I loved Gary Harris in 17, 18. I might've actually thought Gary Harris was going to be better than like Jamal Murray. I don't know, but I loved Gary Harris in 17, when he was 22, 23. And hey, frankly, he beat us. His coming back from an injury and the delay from the George Floyd murder. Um, no, it wasn't George Floyd. It was Blake um, in, the, in the bubble allowed Gary Harris to come back. And frankly, that's why they beat us. But if you look back at Gary Harris, 22 and 23-year-old Gary Harris, he's shooting 40% from three, and he's an elite, elite rim finisher. And the Andy was going to the line a little bit. I mean, the combination was lethal. And you go back, he was finishing at 66, 72% at the rim. And then he drops to 61% the next year. Then the next year, he's still at 61%. Last year, he's back up to 68% at the rim, but he's doing it so very rarely that I wonder. So that is my concern a little bit on Gary Harris. And you'd have to, in his dunk numbers, <clears throat> represent this. He went from dunking, <clears throat> excuse me, 45 times a game to seven, 45 times a year to seven. Um, So, you know, hey, 47% career or 42% career corner three shooter, uh, tough defensively, big. I'm a fan. Like, I, I'm, I'm in. Uh, six, four, two, ten, big, strong. I'm in. Um, and the, um, and so I'm in, I'm, I'm in like, that's a really good idea, but I was just sharing that. That's the one, um, thing. What's the likelihood that trading Rudy makes the jazz better. I don't believe that trade is out there. Um, I don't either. Honestly. Um, I have a hard time. So particularly regular season. Every year Rudy has played, we've won 50 games, right? So if Rudy's played full-time, generally 148 this year, but COVID, various things, right? So if Rudy's played, um, I think that we're at 50, you know, we win 50 games. So um, I, I have a hard time finding out how you trade Rudy and we win more games. Trading Rudy, you can get an athletic wing who can defend. Rudy's not the only defender in this league. So Mr. E disagrees. He sees it differently. The thing about wing defenders and Drew Holiday and Dorian Finney-Smith are showing their value and Mikel Bridges in the playoffs right now. They are, do, Drew Holiday's dominating. Teams are, players are shooting 33%. Is you better have a lot of them. Because if you have a bad defender on the floor, they're going to go find them a lot of the time. And I think that's, um, part of it. Chad, I saw your note about being a truck driver and from Sunnyvale, tip of the hat. Um, just thought I'd throw that out there. I just want to make sure I saw it. You knew I saw it. Um, Bob, this is the great debate. Bob says, I don't know how we win as many games trading Rudy away. That that's where this gets interesting. Uh, what about trading Conley and another small piece and try to see what happens with Forrest in the starting lineup? So there's, you know, he probably, you know, the shooting becomes an issue at some point, but maybe. And I think if if you go the home run model we talked about, 
you're going to have to play. Trent Forrest going to have to play. You're really thin, right? So if we have to, if we trade two of our tradable pieces, like we have six, seven, six, seven tradable pieces. Now, whether the league has any value in them is going to be interesting. <clears throat> if we trade any of those trading pieces, then, and we go for a home run, I'm going to make up, I'm going to make up a trade right now, just for the sake of conversation, not because I think it's realistic, but because it makes it so much easier to hold the conversation. So Tobias Harris makes $35 million. So if you combine Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson, that's 33. If you combine Boyan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, and Rudy Gay, that's 35. If you can tr- combine um, Mike Conlon, Boyan Bogdanovich, that's 39. If you can throw in Maurice Thibel, that's 39 on their side. Like those are the pieces we're talking about. Like if you're trying to put it together and you take Tobias Harris, who is overpaid at 35, 36 million. And he has, he'll have two years left on his deal. And you see whether or not that's a home run to me. You're going for a top 50 player. You've added a third top 50 player and you're trying to see what happens. You're crazy thin, right? I just traded two or three of our players. You're now super thin under that scenario. And if you're going for the home run, right? Like what was, you know, kind of our, the crazy weird home run that would just, I don't know that it actually worked, but it's kind of fun to talk about is the idea of Przingis, right? So that's 32 million. And, um, you know, so Boyan and Jordan are 30 or 31 and Mike and Royce are 29, 30. Um, and so you, you're just piecing it together, right? I mean, you guys can all play the trade machine together. Um, and I'm not suggesting I want those guys dealt. That's just how this whole thing works. So you, um, Again, both all of those are two for three for ones. We're super thin, right? We were already really thin. We're playing Daniel House, who was a COVID pickup, and Juancho Herman Gomez, who was a throw in a, a salary cap filler in a trade. Um, so, you know, we've we've really we really become very very thin on that. And so, yes, a Trent Forrest has to play. So, anyway, that's those are the models. I think there's five of them. Hope no show tomorrow. I hope this is kind of, you know, some of it's repetitive. We're going to be repetitive because there's not a lot going on, but hopefully it's given us a vision of kind of what you're actually looking at. So there's the blow it up. There's the trade for pieces and add depth. There's a trade for a home run and be thin. There's a trade. One of the two who you believe. So that's either Donovan or Rudy, who you believe you can win with and then run until that player leaves in free agency. Like Atlanta did without Horford. And if you hit on that trade with a player, unlike Atlanta, maybe you do find a way to build this thing out well enough. You can only build through three mechanisms, free agency, trade, and draft picks. We don't have a lot of draft picks, and free agency is not something that Utah does because of market size, also because of luxury tax, and we haven't done, we haven't hit on our mid-level exceptions recently. So we're really talking about trade, which is hard because you need a dance partner. It is Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great day. Thanks very much for making us your first listen of the day. Locked On NBA Big Boards, fun getting ready for the draft. Even though we don't picks, you might find a player you like you want us to trade into because we've done that before for Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And we've got a wizard in the front office in Danny Ainge. Have a good one. See you.